try not to belittle anyone. We're very respectful. Everyone gets paid like free trade pricing. So we're not taking advantage of anyone. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, today in the guest chair, we have self-described accidental entrepreneurs, Chioma and Uchenna, the founders of CC's Closet NYC. What started with selling cute clutches that they brought back from Nigeria has expanded into a full-fledged business incorporating products like head wraps, backpacks, and leather goods. Being a Black woman-owned business to them meant having an opportunity to create highly functional products that tap into their Nigerian heritage and specific needs. This is especially true when you think about their silk-lined head wraps. As two naturalistas, they wanted to remove the step of having to wear a bonnet or a silk scarf underneath our head wraps to protect our hair. So they created this product to address this need. On today's show, they'll talk more about how their line has developed, evolved, and what they have coming up next. Most importantly, Chioma and Uchenna view CC's Closet NYC as an opportunity to have a positive economic impact on Nigeria. All of their products are made locally in Nigeria. Before we chat with CC's Closet, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, are you hiring? You've probably been posting your position to job sites and then just waiting for the right people to find it. Well, ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way to go about this whole hiring thing, so they built a platform that finds the right candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash hustle. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash hustle to try it for yourself today. So welcome to the guest chair, Chioma and Uchenna. I am so glad and happy to have you here. So tell the audience a little bit about yourselves. Who are you guys and what is CC's Closet? All right. So (laughs) hi, I'm Uchenna from CC's Closet. I'm Mm -hmm. one of the co-founders and CC's Closet is a African-inspired accessories and clothing brand run by two amazing sisters, myself and my sister Chioma. Ooh. And hi, I'm Chioma Nguda, the other founder of CC's Closet. And I second everything Uchenna says because she's also my fly sister. And we are actual sisters, which a lot of people ask us, I guess. So... So uh, first of all, I have to give you guys props for working together as sisters because I have two older sisters and I know I'll probably get tired of them trying to boss me around. <laughs> so who's, who's older and does that dynamic ever come into play? That's a good question. I'm the oldest. I just want to put it on the record. I'm two years, two months and two days older than Miss Choma. Oh, you had to add the two days. <laughs> <laughs> and um, even though... I'm older, I am shorter, and I guess we kind of boss each other around. Um, yeah. <laughs> but in, in terms of handling that balance, I think we ultimately operate from a place of love and respect. And so um, one thing that's a little different about our relationship is that even though we're sisters, we're also, like, really, really good friends. Like, Choma's my best friend. And so um, that part of the relationship is always emphasized in terms of how we operate as business partners. But I think that, like, you know, Truman does a really good job of, like, respecting me as her older sister, valuing the ideas and the skill sets that I bring to the table. And I don't just view her as someone who's younger than me. I view her in terms of her skill set, in terms of, like, her likability, her exuberance or positive, her positive 
energy, her business acumen, and her accounting skills, and many, many other positive qualities that she has. That's awesome. (laughs) I like all these nice things she's saying about me. Um, I guess to chime in, I think being the younger sister, I think that Uchan and I are like more friends than sisters some of the time, because I know that there can be some difficulties in those relationships. But like, like Uchana said, we are like absolutely best friends. And I think we put our relationship with each other first before the business. And I think that's an important choice that you have to make because at the end of the day, I, if I had millions of dollars and my sister wasn't speaking to me anymore, I would not be happy. Right. right. So, um, <laughs> so that's how I like to think about it. Okay, cool. So what is CC's closet and what does the business entail? Yeah, so um, CC's Closet is a lot of things. We actually started out as a bag company. Um, so like our genesis story is, I had gone to Nigeria after my senior year of college um, as part of just going to my paternal grandfather's um, funeral service. Um, and unfortunately, China was able to go. She was working in asset management at the time and she couldn't get the time off of work. So I ended up going alone with myself and my my dad and my parents. We went back. Um, and I think that I hadn't been in, to Nigeria in such a long time that like I hadn't gotten that chance to really connect to my culture in such a long time because I'd spent so much time focusing on school. And going there was kind of like a reintroduction to like who I was and like just really having the opportunity to like revel in like my Igbo and Ishikiri-ness. And it was a really fantastic and transformative experience for me. And I really loved the time there. And the only thing that would have made it better is if my sister had been able to come with me. So um, I wanted to get something to kind of like mark that time. And I found these beautiful clutches and I got one for myself and my sister um, that we would wear to my graduation party a few weeks later to make everyone jelly (laughs) and then um once we actually wore them there people really really like them and like where we where can you get them and I was like oh well they're like in Nigeria (laughs) um and like my entrepreneur light bulb kind of went off and I was just like oh we could like make this into a business we'll see if I can get some here um and then sell them and see if people would want to buy them um and then after that we created CC's closet uh, and then we were able to movement branch into more things such as head wraps and iPad cases, backpacks, and we've been able to start expanding into clothing as well. Um, So right now we're still really mostly well known for our head wraps in particular because those really took off, but we still do offer all these other products that are pretty awesome too. I am so fascinated by this, you know, realizing that there are these awesome products, there's a market for them, and there just needs to be this bridge to connect the two. But then like, who was your carrier? How did you keep supply in stock? You know, were you flying back to Nigeria yourself? And, you know. Uh, sure. In terms okay. of like um, creating a bridge. So um, initially we did start off like purchasing uh, bags and reselling them. But I think somewhere along the line, I was kind of like, I personally would like to have creative control over the entire process. And so I took a trip to Nigeria. I designed our first Kente clutches and crossbody bags with like metal adornments and those sold. And I was like, whoa, so I can like design a bag, make it and then sell it. And I was just like, okay. And so through taking control over the origin of like how the bags were made, as well as the head wraps, we were able to have like a better control of like scaling and like the amount of products we had on hand. And initially we did fly back and forth to Nigeria to um, sell our products, but eventually we were able to like learn other methods, more effective and cheaper methods of like getting our goods over here. What were those more effective and, and cheaper methods? Um, we started doing using cargo. Oh, okay. Now, at, at what point was this like an actual business? So at first it sounds like, you know, Chioma, you have this idea and it's like, it's a nice side hustle. And, you know, we probably didn't even have the final name for it. But at what point did you say, okay, we're going to make a website for this and we're going to operate this as an e-commerce business? Oh, I can tell you, like, I can answer that. I think when initially, when we first started out, like, you know, Chomo was selling bags to like her friends and stuff in New York. And I lived actually lived in Philly at the time. And um, at my asset management um, firm, it was like me and like a bunch of guys. And I <laughs> put together this like catalog 
and I was trying to convince these guys to um to purchase these um clutches for their wives. And it would it kind of made me feel uncomfortable at the sense, in a sense. And so I was just like, hmm, if I am able to put together a website, then I can like broaden my audience to like people um beyond like this office that I'm sitting in and be able to make um a financial contribution in that way. And so um we I put together the website, took my dad's camera and like started taking photos of each of the clutches individually and then uploaded them on. And then from there, we were able to continue to add on more products to the website and scale up from there. Yeah, I definitely think so. Like, I would say that we kind of had the idea for CC's really started in like July and then the website came up in like November. And I think at that time I had, I had just started my first job as well. So it's just like, I wouldn't be able to talk to all every every single person I'd ever met and try to get them to buy a bag too. So definitely going online was something that was really um, an exciting opportunity for us to expand and um, expand and burn out. I would say when it went from like side hustle to really a business would be more from I would count that as like when it started to pay for itself. So I would say that um, Chen and I were like funding the business and putting in money every two weeks when we got our paycheck for at least like the first, like, I would say first like year to maybe like year and a quarter. Um, and then after that, we started to get enough revenue from the business activities itself that it started to really pay for itself. And we could reinvest what we were making to help grow and get better and scale um, and have more inventory, have more diversity of inventory and really start to like look at it as like a business with like multiple arms rather than just like something that we do when we come home after work. Mm, I'm glad that you brought up the financial preparation and just having to be your own investor and putting everything into that business and, you know, being able to do that until it was paying for itself. Now, at what point, Uchenna, did you leave your job? Because I understand that one of you are full-time and one of you is not. Let's talk about that. Okay. So it was, I feel like me leaving my job. So I think I stopped working outside of CC's closet last year in about June, um, just because I found that we'd be able to make more money if I were able to have more time to take care of like things such as like um, advertising, to set up like events. And it just seemed kind of like the job that I had at the time was in the way of like CeCe's closet, like growing bigger. And so that's when I decided to go, when I, I felt that CC's closet was generating more income than like my job was and that we were able to sustain our business model with me not being at the other job and still being able to like live comfortably, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. But that brings up an important point about cash flow. So you might have enough to cover your business costs, but there's that's another thing to have something to give you salary. And, you know, how did you decide how much of a salary you should take from your business? Me and Shoma, we had a conversation about it. And I think right now the rule is about 10 percent of profit that we were making. And so that's what I get paid. How did you come up with that 10% rule? Well, I was looking at the margin that we were making on the products and how much we wanted to reinvest to grow. And I saw that with taking out that 10%, we would still be able to grow the business to our liking, right? Because the idea is that you don't want to end up going full-time too soon because then you end up strangling your growth, right? Because you can't keep investing and you don't have that outside money coming in anymore. So you're just really paying rent and then, that's it. Like you're not really be able to like really push the business further. So we, so we just kind of looked at the numbers and saw what would make sense. And then I thought the 10% made was a better idea. Cause then we could also scale up salary as like our business continued to perform better. And we like reaped the benefits of Jenna's going full time. So that was one, one thing that was also really important to me because I think that like what like the work you should be compensated for the work that you do. And like, there's so much that we can get done now and so many more like ideas and opportunities that we can enact because we shine as full time. So I, I like really wanted to make sure that she was well rewarded for that. And I think also in addition to like me, just like going full time, we saw that there was like a lot of need in terms of just really shoring up operations in Nigeria, just because 
even though people might not know this, but me and Trevor are like extremely hands on and we're very maniacal about like the details <laughs> of operations over there. So every day, like I'm on duty. <laughs> Um, Trump and I are both on duty in Nigeria, like getting a sense of like what's going on that's there. And we're also managing our team over there as well as managing people over here. And so at the time it was like, I'd be at work, but I'd be trying to like manage people in Nigeria, but I couldn't really focus on like what was going on there because I was fully invested in what was going on in Nigeria. And so we knew that if I were to like spend those that time and my resources shoring up operations there and like making sure that things were running as smoothly as possible, like we'd be able to scale more. And to our credit, we've been able to grow since I've gone full time. I just want to congratulate you guys on having such a strong grasp of the financial modeling that you have to do to be successful in business and to manage that cash flow and also the operational mindset. It is no easy feat to manage anyone, yet alone a team in another country, in a country that might have a different workflow or <laughs> you know, <laughs> working style than you. Yeah. So let's talk about this and, you know, a whole hours ahead. Now, how did you find the team there and how do you manage them when you really can't oversee them and micromanage? I think that we really started, um, like we had help from our, our aunt um, and our cousins who are in Nigeria. So they live there in Lagos full time. And they kind of helped us find our first um, tailors because I think um, sometimes you, you want to make sure that you're getting the best work quality for the price. So usually like most things in like um, countries like Nigeria, it's all recommendation, right? So you're finding people who, um, who they know have done like good work for them in the past. And then from there being able to like test them ourselves. So we don't just onboard someone to like help us as a tailor and artisan and just like give them like a huge order and say, go, go do this. It's like, there's like a vetting process. So like, here's like, uh, we give them a sample that we want them to do. We see like how they cut the fabric, how they, or like how they make the bag and things like that. And then once we, once we've given them feedback and seeing how they respond to that feedback, we then decide if it's like a partnership that we can do. And then also like, we're usually trying to work with people who are going to be easy to communicate with. So people who will be on WhatsApp so that we can talk to them like fairly cheaply and fairly often. Um, and then um, also China, China can talk to us more about this, but like what's really helped us over the past um, few months has been like actually getting like someone who's going to help, who's like more of a managerial role in Nigeria, who's kind of helping us coordinate with all the different, um, tailors and artisans that we're working with to make sure that we're getting all the things on time in a, in a, in a manner that we'd like. So doing that checking and like having as much investment in, in how things are being done as well as just that things are being done. And that's really helped us like one, like be able to be more efficient here and with our planning and with our scheduling for like ads and things like that. But then also being able to um, just like have more of like a peace of mind that things are running smoothly in Nigeria, not mm -hmm. and things aren't just um, getting out of hand. Yeah. And in general, I think um, when I first started to be like full time and we were our team was growing in Nigeria, I started to think about, OK, what's difficult about how things are running now? And like at the time, I kind of felt like, you know, things were just like really just like disorganized and there was like information that I would like want and need that I didn't have like access to. And I had to sort of develop processes to make those things more efficient, but in a way that someone who's in another country can like add value and that'd be simple and easy to understand. And it's more of like getting a grasp of like how things are said, are sort of run. In, in Nigeria versus like in America. So like here in America, like we're very like very capitalistic society, like work comes first, business comes first. But there are things that like happen in Nigeria that like is beyond my, my control, Truman's control or like one of our managers control. So like, for example, like if someone passes away, usually out of respect for that person, they'll like close like the market. And if I have like a contractor that works within the market, then he or she can't do business for that day. So what does that mean for CC's closet? What other activities can be done that day? And so basically what we started to do was to sort of come together 
make a list of like what are the activities that are like crucial to like the operations of CC's closet, what needs to be prioritized and what it needs to get done. And what we discovered was we'd had a better handle on um, when things were made, how they were made, who was responsible for like quality control, what are the expectations or the certain things that need to be done via like quality control. So like now we have like an official like CC's closet like checklist that we share with um, individuals who work for us. And so they know what the expectations are each and every time they turn something into us and so that there's no confusion. So it sounds like, you know, you raise an interesting point about being able to understand cultural norms and also cultural cues and understand that business is not always just done like, you know, straight line thinking about the cash, but in other countries, relationships can be so much more important. You know, relationships are important everywhere, but in certain cultures, it's even more, you know, make or break for your business. No, they're, they're really amazing. Like I have to really give my hats off to the people that we work with. Like they're so dope. Like I woke up on my birthday and they were like the first people to wish me happy yeah. birthday um, <laughs> in terms of like, not just like well wishes, but talking about having conversations about the impact that I've had on their lives. Um, and that we, and that CC's cloud and the business has had on their lives. And I think that sort of like speaks to, um, the trust and respect that we have for each other. Like I don't belittle anyone or we try, we try not to be belittle anyone. We're very respectful. Um, everyone gets paid like free trade pricing. So we're not taking advantage of anyone. And I also believe at the same time, we've been able to maintain these relationships in this way because we learned that like, you know, even though in like, in America, like, you know, women are, you know, like Trim Amanda said, are taught to like shrink themselves and not like take the place of a man. I feel like, you know, us doing business in Nigeria mandates that we are like strong, assertive women who know what we want, who mean what we say, and who are more than happy to communicate the consequences for doing otherwise. Now, we've talked a little bit about the operations, the financial aspect of it, but let's talk about just building this brand and getting those customers. Now, what were some of the first steps you took to start to market CC's Closet? I think one of the first things that we did um, when we started, so I think when we started to launch our website in November, like 2015, we were like, oh, so like now the sales just start coming in. You just sit back and you sell everything. <laughs> Uh, but that is not how it goes in e-commerce. You need to get people on the website first before you can sell them anything. So one of the things that we were really lucky is that we're actually based in New York and New York has like this really rich market culture. So there are always like different markets that are happening in Brooklyn and downtown New York and Harlem, all over that you can go to and like sell your goods but also take it as like a true marketing opportunity, right? There are all these people walking by who you can give out your car to, who you can learn things from in terms of like where your products are are making or like hitting the mark, where they can be improved. And then also just getting people onto your mailing list and getting people like excited and interested and invested in your brand. So uh, our first market was in February of 2016. Um, and that was like kind of how we really started to to grow the business more because we were like, we saw like increases in website traffic as we like were giving out our cards and our marketing materials in person. And then we also did have a focus on improving our social media presence. So working with influencers to help get the word out and then also investing in our own um, products and our own branding so that when people see an image from CC's closet, they're like inspired from it. They're impacted by it. They want to see more and they want to like know more about the business business and they want to, and they can see themselves in the imagery that we're creating and see that beauty and want to be a part of that. So doing those different types of investing in terms of like building those in-person relationships with people and learning from our customers that way. And then also in, like investing in our social media and um, having influencers as well has helped us be, really be able to grow that presence so that we go from like a hundred visits a day to like thousands. <laughs> Now, you're one of the sites when I think about you, I think about Instagram first. How has Instagram <laughs> shaped your growth? I think that's a I think that's a really good question. I feel like with Instagram, it, it helps shape your growth because like Instagram is tends to be more of like a younger demographic than the other social media sites. 
Um, and it's very image focused. So you do want to have like a certain type of types of images and a certain caliber of images that you're putting out so that you can capture the attention of people who are getting bombarded with um, photography all day, right? Because they're scrolling through their newsfeed. So I think it really helped us like kind of figure out what type of look we wanted to have and then really make sure that we're honing that in and, and displaying that to the people who choose to follow us. Um, so I thought that was, that's one way it's shaped it. I think it also like kind of makes us more, um, agile and nimble, nimble to like trends. So sometimes like we'll, we'll do a photo shoot and then a couple months later, like we'll see like a bunch of other photos that come out that look similar to it. We're just like, Ooh, we're lucky. We like, we're right on the trend. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, And then other times, like, we'll like, we'll see something that we really like and we'll be like, Oh, how can we incorporate like this color? Like, what is this? Like, how does this inspire the photo shoot? How does this inspire like the makeup look and things like that? So I think that it's definitely helped us like both like given us inspiration and then also challenged us to make sure that we're putting out the best possible content. What's the most impactful marketing channel for you right now in enabling customer discovery and driving sales? Mm, I would say Google ads. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Talk a little bit about that. Like how much time do you invest in that? Do you do it yourself or have you hired someone for that? Okay. I, yeah. So um, I'm actually really fortunate this fall, I believe like this past fall, 2017, Google has done like a huge push in terms of getting um, entrepreneurs who are women and people of color to use their services because it wasn't really accessible. I think the first time I like logged into Google ads, I like was super overwhelmed, didn't understand what was going on, used like my target keywords and put together like a budget and I kind of just like left it alone. But through this program, I've been able to do much more than that. So like in terms of like setting a budget, I think you need to have an understanding of like what is the average spend to like make you competitive in that space and what are people searching for to get to your website? And so what I did, I did research on like Google Trends to sort of see where in America people were searching for items that I sold. Um, and then through there, I was able to do geo-targeting on people who are interested in the products that we sell and put in those keywords. I also don't forget to use your name as a keyword search because a lot of people are actually searching for CC's Closet. And then once I did that and increased my budget, I, I saw an uptick in the traffic that I was getting. That's awesome. So, Go Google. <laughs> yeah, Google is awesome. Um, if you are in New York, hit up Angelina Darasaw. She's amazing. I was just about to ask if you were part of that digital coaching um, program, if that's the program you're referring to. So tell people, how can they get involved? If they're not in New York, should they just Google Google's digital coaching? Like what? Yes, I think you should Google digital coaching program. To my understanding, they are doing it in other cities. I don't know who is. Yes, they are. They are. I just forget the title of it. So you guys, I will look it up and link to it in the show notes. Yeah. Google digital um, coaching program. And the thing that's really great, I think Angelina, she realized that like I had been like familiar with um, some of the topics at hand before. So if there was something that I read and I wanted to do more of like she would bring an expert to the program to sort of like help me build that out. And I also use these opportunities to continue my learning. So right now I use Google AdWords and Google Analytics in tandem. I recommend that all entrepreneurs get dialed, delve into the basics of Google Analytics because then you can really get into the nitty gritty of like where like people are really coming from, like how they're finding your website, how they're interacting with your website, which products are garnering the most interest, which products can use a little bit more of like a push. I think that's one of the resources that we don't really talk about in entrepreneurship because I feel that like a lot of the push is about like, you know, people seeing you on like social media and meeting you that way. And that's very, very important. But like data analytics is a huge component of entrepreneurship that like if you don't sort of pay attention to the numbers, things can kind of like sneak up on you in a very, very like damaging way. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys, it's Nikayla with a quick word from our sponsor. Okay. 
I have a side hustle hack for all to hear, and it's called Skillshare. You want to know how I grow as a businesswoman? I keep learning. There's not a week that goes by that I'm not checking out a refresher class or a deep dive tutorial. And my go-to is Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 18,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, you name it. So whether you're trying to start a side hustle or scale your business, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. In the last month alone, I've learned how to set up my email capture landing page on Squarespace and how to boost my email marketing using MailChimp, all through Skillshare. And now, Skillshare has a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right, just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Hustle Pro. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Hustle Pro to start your two months now. Now, what has been the most surprising part of becoming an entrepreneur or starting this business? I think the most surprising part is the overwhelming number of things that you don't know. Because <laughs> I think it's like one of those things like you just don't know what you don't know. Um, and you have to be willing to flex and to um, do the research, put in the time, ask the questions to figure it out. I think you can read a lot about starting businesses, read a lot of business books, but it's still just not going to cover everything. And then like, also, I think that, I think the other thing, like on a positive note, like one of the most surprising things is just like the impact that you have on people. Um, I think both on the, like you kind of talked about it from the artisans and the tailors that we work with and, but on the customer end, like just like people coming up to us and like wanting to hug us and just being like, Oh, like I just like love CC's closet so much. Like this imagery just like makes me feel so proud and beautiful as a black woman. And like, just like having that connection with people that you don't really know, which is like, so it's kind of weird. Cause like they like know you and they know your business, but you're like, we haven't actually met, but they like treat you like you're their best friend when you meet them in person, Um, which is always like, it's always really funny to me. But I think just realizing the the scale of impact that you can have just by like pursuing what you want to do and by trying to create something and share it with others is also pretty awesome. Yeah, I think uh, I want to say in terms of surprising, I would also say like, you could get really far by being very resourceful and networking. So I think, I mean, networking is kind of one of those like ambiguous words that I kind of like thrown out <laughs> and everyone recommends that you do it. But what does it actually mean? Yes. Because like, I'm not going to lie. There are points in my professional career that I was just like, I don't even know what this is. Like, do I pretend that like I'm into stuff that I'm not into just to like make someone like, what is networking? And I think that like, I feel like I finally got a grasp on it through entrepreneurship um, and I, I view it as building genuine, um, connections with people who have like a common interest. Um, I think for, for me, like a lot of the people that I've met on this journey have been like friends that I've met, um, doing something for CC's closet. And so like very early on, like at our first market, I met someone who is also an entrepreneur and like, we sort of like kind of like teamed up together to figure out what was going on in different ways to sort of like amplify um our our brand um whether it was like online or via various events happening in the city like I'm very grateful for that and then um I have another friend who maybe like we're very active in e-commerce but maybe someone knows like more about like wholesaling and like has greater insight into like manufacturing and like different details um, and then I also met someone who had gone to like fashion design school and was very well versed in like the fashion industry because I mean when I initially started out like I couldn't say that I was like well versed in the industry because and I deem myself as somewhat as an insider I mean an outsider but um, through talking to her I was kind of able to like get up to speed in a sense in terms of like thinking about like art direction photography um, design functionality and different things that would be beneficial to my customers and to the business. Now, recently, I really like to ask about what went wrong along the way. Like what was the blunder that you just look back at and cringe? I feel like we haven't had any like crazy blunders. 
I think that like we um, definitely at some point overproduced certain items and we were just like, we need to sell this and get it out of our house. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then just like kind of trying to figure out different ways to get people excited about products that maybe didn't hit it off right away. And then just being like, okay, we need to like figure out how to like get people interested in it. So like, we'll try different types of photos. We'll try different ways of like incorporating it. We'll make sure to like bring it in the forefront of our market pop-ups and stuff like that. And just kind of finding ways to like move things that didn't necessarily have like an immediate, bam, I want this right now effect. So I think that's like a blunder that we that we had in the past that was like it was not necessarily pleasant, but it wasn't like it wasn't crazy. I would say like one blunder that I think that like not just like we make, but other people is like the whole magic pill theory. That's what I like to call it as if like, well, if someone just did this or if I could just get the attention of one person that would like solve all of my business problems. And I would say that like I think that when you sort of rest on that, like it inhibits you from being like really creative and finding other solutions for certain issues that you might be having. Um, so that's one thing. And I would say um, another blunder was like not understanding how to negotiate well when we first started working with influencers, because it is like, it's very different from, you know, when you go to like the store, usually there's like a price tag on it like you you pay for it and that's that but i think now we have like a more robust method of evaluating how like effective someone's going to be for us in terms of like marketing our products in terms of customer engagement and getting our brand out there because initially when we had started with influencer marketing it was a complete fail and we kind (laughs) of didn't do it again for like an entire year and there was like, I, I see that as like, you know, a lot of like missed opportunities because once we learned how to do it effectively, it ended up being beneficial for us. Yeah. Well, please share with our audience, like, how can you do it more effectively? What is your method to screen how good somebody will be and what's a good rate to pay them? Well, how do you determine that? What percentage, you know, based on their followers and what have you? That's That's a really good question. I think... It's like two, it's twofold. On the one hand, I would say you have to like know your audience, right? So does the type of content um, that they produce mirror what, what tends to go viral on your page, right? Or also judging their level of engagement. So like, it's cool if I have one influencer that has like 50,000 followers and she gets like 3K on a photo. That's very different from someone who has like 20,000 followers and get is getting 3K because the person who has like 20K followers has an audience that's more engaged, like because there's a higher percentage of people who are engaging with their content or like liking or commenting on the their content. I think it's like a level of negotiation that comes into play. So I feel like it's on a case-by-case basis. So depending on how that specific influencer values themselves, like that's how you pay. Like, but I, you know, it's kind of like buying a car. You don't pay sticker price. You always want to make sure that you sort of negotiate and get like a rate that's mutually beneficial. So yeah. always negotiate. I guess that would be... Right. I think I would also add to that, like, you also want to see... Um, you should also, like, follow up with the effectiveness, right? Because, like, you're going to say, like, okay, like, I paid this much for this post. It got this much engagement, led to this many sales. But if you can't track that, like, you can't say, like, okay, this was the engagement that we got. These are the sales that we got. So this was this price a good price or not, right? So you need to also keep track of that. And I think keeping track of that will also help you understand later, like, what can I expect from this type of marketing? And then also, like, what what is, like, then a good price to pay for it? Got it. Got it. And for doing that, I would also suggest, like, Google has a free tool, like the UTM Link Builder. And you can kind of use it as, like, a free affiliate link. And that'll help you get a real sense of, like, which influencer is getting like the most is driving the most traffic to your site. Love it. Now, 
You mentioned something about inventory and I I jotted down notes on that because that is such a huge thing. I've worked for an e-commerce business before and all that like one-off inventory left over in the warehouse, it's a problem. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. right now, are you managing all inventory in your homes? And if so, how do you plan to grow in the next few years to kind of get it out of your house and into a factory? Yeah, sure. So I think part of that just comes down to like looking at like what type of margins you have and how much more cost you can add on. Right. So there's a reason why we're doing it in our house, because it makes the most sense financially. And then also just the amount of inventory we have is not so it's not hasn't gotten so overwhelming yet that it's like, okay, we can't. So we're not like at that breaking point yet. But I think in terms of managing it, we we are looking at like the performance of different products. And that's where like all of the different tracking that we're doing helps us understand what we should be making more of because it's going to say like if we sell out of something in two weeks versus a month, that's like two fewer weeks like that is sitting in our house. Right. And we can have something else take up that space. So um, really looking at what patterns are performing the best, like what products people are really, really um, vibing with and which ones are like selling like the the most quickly is important for like that inventory management. And then in terms of expanding and growing, I think part of it is like looking at what investments we're making into advertising, right? So the more you invest in advertising, the more you sell, the more money you'll have to buy more inventory and then continue to grow that way. So it's kind of like a, it's a two-pronged approach. It's like, seeing like making sure that you're like creating like definitely staying true to like your creativity and like choosing what you want and what you want to sell and making sure that's not just about selling but also understanding that you do need to like have the data to look at products and say like okay this product is worthy of continued investment and making more of this product was like i loved it but it didn't work out that well so it's going to be limited edition (laughs) Mm, got it so now you guys are uh coming up on your third year in this business yeah yeah So I think it's good that you are still looking at the numbers before you decide on any investment in a, you know, a warehouse, which is a huge cost. But I I know that you guys will continue to grow and you will reach that breaking point. So looking forward to seeing that growth. Thank you. Now we're going to transition into the lightning round. So you are going to answer the first thing that comes to mind. You guys might want to choose who goes first. <laughs> so we yeah, can make goes it, first. Okay, we can make it kind of snazzy. And um, yeah, you just answer the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Yep. All right, cool. Number one, what's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Um, I would say Google, number one, looking things up. Um, and then number two is QuickBooks. I think QuickBooks has been really helpful for me in terms of like trying to figure out like our accounting and understanding our cash flow better and looking at how we're doing, right? Like looking at that profit and loss and really being like just having numbers to answer to and not just feelings. So <laughs> that's been really helpful. Uh, in terms of resources, I, I have like a few. I would say like Accelerate with Google program. I would say YouTube for tutorials on advertising. I would say Skillshare for if you want like a refresher on like different things you want to touch on, such as like um, getting together like your email list, what sort of call to action are most effective, A and B testing, just showing up on those skills are very, very important. Lastly, I, I, I love like going into different um, podcasts. So um, me and Shoma, we're really big fans of like how I built this Side Hustle Pro, of course, mm-hmm. and um, Dreams and Drive. I-, I love those podcasts. Oh, and Masters of Scale. I have to plug that one too. It's really entertaining and uh, also really interesting. Okay. <laughs> now, what about business books? What is the best business book that you guys have read this year? <sighs> hmm. I would say in terms of like, a book that's helped me become better at my business. I would say there's um, Miracle Morning, which I thought was a, which is a really helpful book for me because I think there was a time earlier this year that I just gotten like really stressed out um, and I wasn't really feeling like myself. Mm. And I think part of that was because I'd stopped taking time for myself. I was just trying to fulfill all of these other needs and not really um, taking any time to like meditate or to like look at my vision board or like to really think about what I wanted out of life. I was just constantly executing, which gets monotonous and then can also like 
just be a damper on your mood. So I think with Miracle Morning and reading that book, it's really helped me kind of structure my day in a way that's like made me more productive, but also like happier, which has been extremely important for me. All right. I don't read um, business books per se, but I do. T- I will tell you what I do. I'm like a big fan of the Harvard Business Review. And I do occasionally um, plug articles from there when I'm thinking about like theory. So like, you know, when I'm thinking about like what like type of business model I want to have, what I want to consider in terms of like HR and like how to like manage other people. Uh, I would also say like, I mean, on a personal level, I really love Adam Grant. And so I read his books um, and a lot of the articles that he writes because he does, he tackles business from like a very psychological sense. And I think for me, um, I constantly trying to get better at understanding consumer consumer psychology and understanding the psychology of like managing other people so that they can be more effective and beneficial for the company as a whole. And we also love self-help books. You guys, it's just one, it's just one bit, the best business. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, I go on and on. I'm sorry, girl. You read a lot, girl. No, I'm sorry. I'm doing the most. My apologies. It's all right. All right. Number three in the lightning round. Lightning is uh, (laughs) who is a black woman entrepreneur that you would want to trade places with for a day, and why? Um, I think for me, a black woman entrepreneur I'd want to trade places with for a day is Rihanna. Because I guess the best way to describe it is this, like she's she's a great artist. You love her music, you love her personality. And so being able to like really been able to lend that personality and branding into products that she's created um, in a way that like has been authentic and meaningful. So I'd love to like just kind of go through a day of her like working with Sephora to like create her new products or Fenty Beauty and then like collaborating with Puma and like creating like new looks and and like seeing how like involved she would be because I feel that she's really involved because the brand does feel so authentic in terms of creating all of these things that we end up loving and being like that's Rihanna and that's bomb yes oh that's a good question I mean I don't want to be super super trite but I will say I, I have to say Oprah because I think in terms of her mindset, she puts authenticity before anything else. And I think that she really values the people who she works with. She exercises humility on like a level that I can also appreciate. And then I also think that in terms of like business acumen, it's sort of like off the charts. And I do understand that these women have like a lot of people who work for them and who help them. But I think there's a lot to be learned from trading positions with them. Absolutely. Number four, what is a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business? Um, I think for me, the personal habit has been like starting to wake up with gratitude. So I like alluded earlier to a time when I wasn't like feeling like myself. And I think part of that was because I wasn't, I was only thinking about my goals, but in a way that wasn't also appreciating where I like the present. Mm. And I think starting every day with gratitude has helped me like look at my present and be like really happy with it and then look at my future and be happy with where I'm going. So, and I think for like just the way that my personality is like having that positively positivity and starting my day out with like such a strong sense of, um, sense of like happiness has been like integral to me being able to then carry out my day and like be the best Chioma that I can be. I would say establishing routines only because like, even if you're an entrepreneur that doesn't start out with a lot of like capital, you do have time. So I think you have to hold yourself accountable for um, like allotting time for the various things that need to get done and making sure that you're doing it as efficiently as possible. Finally, what is both of your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing a steady paycheck? Um, I would say definitely do some financial planning. Um, so that's the stage that I'm in right now. And just like be, be honest with what your budget's going to be like, what it's going to look like, and just kind of have that conversation with yourself, know what you're willing to give up and what, like, if you give up, you'll like hate everything. (laughs) So I think, um, 
I think so. I've been, I've been having that conversation with myself right now and like really thinking about, Hey, what, like, what do, what do I need to like be able to do this well for like the next year, the next two years, um, as we continue to grow our business and make sure that what my needs don't impact the way that the business can grow and the impact that we can have there. So definitely just having an honest conversation with yourself about what you want, what you can and can't live without and then plan for it. And like, definitely like it's a side hustle for a reason. So make sure that your main hustle that's bringing it in, like you're, you're being smart about it. You're putting in the savings account, you're doing the investment and doing what you can to make sure that when it's time to go full time, you, you have that flexibility. Yeah. I would, I would say that I agree. You agree with all the above. (laughs) Yeah. I agree with, I think that's, that's, that's just like, because I think that people, there's a lot of nine to five shame shaming that goes on yes. um, in this day and age. And I think that people just like aren't really honest about themselves and about like their skill sets and about where they are in their entrepreneurial journey. And I think that like, you know, one thing that won't lie to you is like your bank account or like your credit or like your student loan bills. And so like just being very, very honest and like having a deep, detailed understanding of how you're going to serve your needs financially is very, very, very important. That's real. And I'm so glad we're ending on that note. I love that your bank account will not lie to you. (laughs) (laughs) It will not. You're not going to see something in there. That's not true. So on that note, how can people connect with you after this episode? Sure. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest as CC's Closet NYC. I think it's NY, just NY on Twitter. And then you can also always find us on our website, um, CC's Closet NYC.com. Love it. All right, ladies. It has been a pleasure to have you in the guest chair. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having no us. Thank you so much for having us. Yay. And there you have it. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at side hustle pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the side hustle pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week.